Good morning again. Uh, my name is Derek, and um, you're catching us in the middle of this series on freedom. Um, have you ever had something in your life that you started out and you were all excited about, and you were all motivated, you were all fired up, and initially, man, it was rolling along, and then after a while, it just became a drag, it just became a duty and either you quit altogether or you just kind of did it, but it just, there was just no joy in it. Not if you can remember a time like that, but I remember for me very early on in my marriage, Becky and I've been married uh, 12 years now, but very early on in my marriage, I remember um, how much fun it was when, when Becky and I came together, it was the two households coming together as one, and so we're living together and we're trying to figure out, you know, who does which chores around the house, who's going to cook and who's going to clean, and is the toilet seat going to be left up or down, and you know, all the, all the cool things that you, that you get into um, as, a, as a young married couple. And um, I'll, I'll never forget that we were we were kind of just, just just dividing all the duties, and and she said, well, and of course you're gonna you're gonna take out the garbage. Like it was just kind of it wasn't even really a question or a discussion point. It was just well, you're you're obviously gonna take out the garbage, and so. Um, I was like, okay, well, the way that it was said, I just, I just didn't even think that there was room for negotiation. And there really wasn't, because you see, growing up in, in her house, um, her dad, man, he embraced the role. He actually called himself the refuse man, and he had songs that he would sing as he took out the garbage, and he, he just totally got after this thing about the garbage. And so for Becky, it was like, hey, this is what a good father does, a good, a good husband does. You know, he takes out the garbage. You don't let your wife do that. You know, you, you take that out. So, so I've picked that all that vibe up. And even though I don't like doing the garbage at all, I recognized that that was, that was a way that I could serve my wife. And in the early days, you know, the early days of the relationship, man, like everything is just, is so cool and fun. And so I, I actually, even though I, I, I didn't like taking out the garbage, I was happy to do it. Genuinely, I was happy to take out the garbage. There was just one little sticking point in the whole garbage detail. And, and that was over when exactly the garbage needed to be taken out. Because you see, for my lovely wife, she defines a, a full garbage can as anywhere from like at the top, at the top level, to maybe like even as many as like four inches down. At that point, the garbage needs to go out. Now, um, if we could just think just rationally for a minute, okay, just, 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 just logically, okay, about, about, about this. Okay, so here, here's the deal. I, I believe that as a good husband... There's a couple things that, that, I can, that I can contribute when it comes to the garbage detail. Uh, see, I believe that you're actually doing a disservice if you don't fill the garbage can all the way up and even get a little rounded. You, you know what I'm saying? Not, not a lot where it's falling out, but there's a safe rounding zone where stuff's not going to fall out. And, and here's the thing. What we forget, what we forget, just logical, right? Just logically. We forget that when you pull the garbage bag up, it's folded down over the side. And so you can get, you can get over the little rounded edge, right? I mean, that's what constitutes a full garbage can. I see some guys and they're with me tracking right there. Yes, all over it, all over it. This, you're, you can leave now and it's already worth you coming today. Okay, so, so here's the thing. So I, I just believed that that this was actually good practice. And, and again, let's just be logical, okay? Let's just be logical for a minute. Okay, here's the thing. This is environmentally friendly because you use, 
you should just join me up on stage, man, because he's tracking so much. Because you use less garbage bags. I mean, who's not for the environment these days? Who is not for the environment? Who's going to raise their hand and say that they want to trash the environment? You can't, you can't. The, the other thing about this is that, I mean, and this, is, this is kind of a selfish one, but it requires me to take out the garbage less often, which that, that's also... That's a big win, right? I mean, there, there's just, there's certain things about this that just make a lot of sense to me. And so we would kind of go back and forth and have these little arguments. But on the whole, it was fine because we were young and we were in love and you kind of just worked that out and it's playful teasing or whatever. So the bottom line is this. I was actually happy to take out the garbage. I was happy to do it. I wasn't like thrilled about it, but I was happy to do it. But now, let's fast forward. Just, we're 12 years in now, okay? And here's the reality. I absolutely hate taking out the garbage. And, you know, early on in the relationship, it's cool, and you just, you're so excited to love and serve and do what you can do. But not after 12 years, you're not. You're just not anymore, okay? So we're 12 years in, and every Tuesday night at my house, it's garbage night. That's what the night that the garbage has to go out. And... I hate it so much that, that and this is, this is actually a cool, like, this is like a miraculous God thing that happens. I, so I hate this thing so much that literally I, I drive into my neighborhood and I see the cans out and I'm like, oh, there, it's garbage night. But as I pull in, there's so much pain involved with this for me that, um, that you, you know how, how God allows you, like if you're in so much pain, you can pass out, like so God spares you from that pain. Or if you have a really traumatic experience, and you, you may know somebody like this, you, know, you can actually, you, your brain completely forgets it. Like it's God's way of protecting you. Every Tuesday night, God intervenes on my behalf. And so I pull in and it's as if I park the car and I walk inside. I have no, I, it, there's no garbage night. It's, it's not happening. I, I totally forget. So, but the problem with that is that there's a point in the evening then where I'm reminded that it's garbage night. And that happens through my wonderful wife. And now my kids have picked up the tradition as well. It's their nine, seven, and five. I have three kids. And so literally now it's become like this fun game where I'll be, you know, I've changed out of work clothes. Now you're in your like your comfy clothes, especially when it's raining or when it's cold outside. You know, you are, you, you've, you've eaten, you, you know, you, you're just, you're not, you, you're not going back outside mentally. And so you're sitting there and, and the kids are getting ready to go to bed and, and then all of a sudden, and they don't catch me on this every week, but, but more weeks than not. And they'll be like, hey dad. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's up? You mean to read you a story or something? They're like, it's garbage night. And I'm like, oh! And I mean, literally, I mean, it's, it's bizarre. It's like Groundhog Day, if you remember that old movie. So, and literally every time I'm like, oh! And they live for that. My kids live for that face. Oh! And they laugh and they think it's awesome, you know? And then I go and I do the garbage. And so what started out as something that I was happy to do, I do it with a smile on my face, now has become a total dread every single week. You know this feeling, right? You've experienced this in some area of your life. Classic example, maybe some of you can relate to this one, is when you're, you're like, okay, I need to get in shape. I'm going to work out and I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to join a gym. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And it's going to be awesome. And so, man, the first day, Monday morning, you're like, I'm going to, this is going to be great. So you set the alarm an hour early or whatever. The alarm goes off. You wake up. You're going for it. You have a great workout. You finish your workout. And all through the day at work, just admit it, you feel better than everybody else, don't you? Okay. It's great. It's great. And you're energized. Like, this is awesome. I'm going to do this every day. Tuesday morning, alarm goes off. You're like, (laughs) 
oh, seriously? And you're laying there, right? And the alarm's going off, and a couple of thoughts are, are going through your mind. You're thinking, first of all, man, I am exhausted from yesterday, and, and like, th- this is, this is I'm, I'm sore and I'm tired. And then the next thing that hits you is, you know, you don't have to work out every day. <laughs> I mean, what do they say, like three times a week? Like every other day? So you're like, perfect, snooze, you know, okay, we're good. And of course, that's just the beginning of the end right there because that mentality just creeps and creeps and creeps. And what started out is you're all fired up and it's a joy and it's super fun, now has become this duty. And either you, you continue at it and it's just killing you or you just stop doing it, Right? Or maybe it's around saving money. I don't know. Maybe you've gotten into that season of your life. You're like, oh man, we got to figure out our finances and you put together a budget and got to do all that stuff. And you start out week one and you're, you're killing it. You're doing all that stuff. And then by the end of the month, you don't even know what happened. So it's because you didn't join Financial Peace University, which we talked about in the announcements. Because in all seriousness, they, Dave Ramsey makes finances fun. I don't know how, he's, it's a, he's like Jesus Christ. I can't believe how he can make finances fun and help you stick with it. If, you, if you're having trouble you, and you've done financial stuff before, if you haven't checked out Dave Ramsey, shameless plug, you know I, I'm usually the announcement guy, so I, I go right back to it. But anyway, you gotta, you've got to check out Financial Peace. It's awesome. Um, so, but here, the, the bottom line is that we all can think of those times. We started out doing something and it was a joy and now it's just a drag. But what do you do when what I just talked about applies to your spiritual life? What do you do then? What do you do when you used to be all excited about coming to church? Remember that season of your life? You, you just loved coming to church. You used to be all fired up. Like you didn't, have to, you didn't have anyone prompting you to go. You were just ready to roll. You didn't have anybody have to tell you, hey, you know, you should, you should read your Bible. You should make this a, a good habit. Because you were just so excited to, to learn more about God and God's plan for your life. And, you, you know, you were just in it. You didn't have to ever say, oh man, you know, I, I really should pray today. You were just praying. You were praying without even realizing you were praying. You were just having a conversation. You're driving along in your car going to work and people think you're crazy, man, because you're just talking and you're talking to God. And it was just a joy. What happens, and we've all been there and we all know people who've been there. And maybe for many of you, you're in that season right now where what started out as a joy, started out as a delight, is now a duty. And one of two things happen when you're in this season. Either you continue to slog through it because you know you ought to. You really, you know, this is something I have to do as a good Christian. So you you just suffer through it. Or you just don't do it. You stop. And then the feelings of guilt come on, don't they? You feel tremendously guilty of where you are in your spiritual journey. What do you do when you're in that season of your spiritual life? Well, we are um, taking a look at a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, arguably the greatest Christian to ever live, wrote much of the New Testament of the Bible. And there's a letter he wrote to the church in Galatia. It's called Galatians. It's preserved right in your Bible in the New Testament. And he's writing to these Christians. We've been looking at this letter for the past few weeks. We're going a chapter at a time. Today we're in chapter four. And he's writing to people who it's gone, their spiritual life has gone from a joy to a duty. 
And look at what he says in Galatians 4.15. He says, what has happened to all your joy? You see, they started out, these Christians in Galatia, this is modern day Turkey, but it's 2,000 years ago. They started out and they had all this joy. They were totally free in one thing. And that is, it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus Christ has already done for us. That is how we're made right with God. It's not by anything we do. It's only by what Jesus Christ has done for us. And it's by faith that we're made right with God. And so they initially started out free and full of joy. And now Paul says, what's happened to it all? Where did it go? Now, we back up a few verses to see what's going on. Verse 8. He says, formerly, when you didn't know God... You were slaves. I want you to notice that word because that's a theme. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Now, little background, what's happening here, okay? So these Christians in this church in Galatia, before they were Christians, before they came into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, they, you know, as part of the the, the Greco-Roman Empire, they were practicing all kinds of religious practices. So, they would worship all these different gods. It was a, you know, a, a polytheistic society. And so they'd worship all these different gods and there were all these different superstitions and you would also pray to your, your, your dead ancestors and there'd be all these things that you would do in order to be blessed, in order like not to be cursed. And so what Paul is saying here is look, Back before you knew Jesus and it was just all about faith in him, you were like slaves to all these different practices and traditions and superstitions and things you had to do. So he says, verse nine, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years, but this is not what it seems, okay? You might think, oh, they've just, they've slid back to their their old habits and practices. Yes and no. See, they're not actually following all those different polytheistic things and worshiping these different gods and superstitions. They're not anymore. But what has happened is, as we see earlier in the letter, and if you haven't uh, heard the other parts of this series, you can catch up online. The deal is that some other Christians who have a Jewish background, they have a Jewish upbringing, have convinced these Gentile Christians, who that means not Jewish background coming to faith in Christ, These Jewish Christians had convinced these Galatians that what you had to do is, hey, listen, it's not about those other things. Those are all, you know, not real gods and those are superstitions. But guess what? There are some practices that God's people do follow. You get circumcised. There's certain meat you can eat. There's certain holidays you have to follow. There's certain sacrifices you have to make. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that God handed down to his people and you have to follow those things. And so they've actually now traded in one set of practices for another And so Paul's like, listen, you guys, you've totally lost your joy. Your your relationship with God, your spiritual life has become a grind. It's become an obligation. It's become a duty. And the reason why is because these Galatians were slaves. They had become enslaved to all this stuff that they had to do. They had to do it. Now, Paul's driving theme in the fourth chapter of his letter that actually starts just a few verses toward the end of chapter three, he's after contradicting two types of people. 
And so this is what he says. He begins the section by saying, Galatians 3.26, you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You're all sons of God, sons and daughters of God. And then we see this theme that goes through, and it's really captured in in verse 7 of chapter 4. He says to them, so you are no longer a slave. Remember, they've been enslaved. They're doing all these things they have to do. You're no longer a slave, but you're a son. You're sons. You're daughters of God. You're not slaves. You're sons. And really, this was the key for the Galatians to recapturing the joy that they had in their faith, the joy that they had in their relationship with God. And for those of us who are here today, and you're like, yeah, man, I'm in one of those seasons. I can't get motivated. I feel like I have to. You know, it's just killing me. I haven't done whatever in the longest time. Okay, this is the key to recapturing our joy, so don't miss this. The key is we are not slaves. We are sons and daughters. Think, for, think with me for a second. When you're a slave, how is your worth defined? When you're a slave, how is your worth defined? Your worth is defined by your work, right? Your worth is defined by your work. The only way that you are accepted, if you're going to get any sort of uh, affirmation or any sort of love in any way, it is based on the work that you do. That's the way that you find any sort of acceptance. But think about sons and daughters. Are, are sons and daughters in, in, a, in a great, healthy relationship with, with parents? Are sons and daughters, is, is their worth determined by their work? No. Now, some of you, you might have grown up where you actually felt like it was, it was very much like what you did, you know, your parents, you felt that, that sense of like, I need their approval, and, and really it's a conditional love thing. But, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that that's actually not the way that, that when we're really talking about our relationship with our Heavenly Father, that it works. See, our worth as sons and daughters of God is based not on our work, but on whose we are. It's based on whose we are. We are God's children. He knit us together. He made us. And no matter what we do, no matter where we go, God will always love us. So the big takeaway for us is we are not slaves. We don't have to do anything to be loved and accepted by God. We're sons and we're daughters. We are already in. We're already loved and accepted. So, um, you know, we all go through these seasons where it just, it's just tough, man, and, and it's a grind. And I remember being in one of those seasons uh, last year, and man, it was really hard, because if you think it's tough for you going through a season like that, imagine having to come up here in the middle of that season and still give a message to all of you guys, uh, and hey, you know, keep at it, yeah, you go, you know, I mean, imagine trying to do that. So, I was going through this season where, you know, I mean, obviously I was coming to church because it's part of my job. So that was easy. You know, I, I mean, that was fine. But, but when it came to prayer, here's the thing. I was having no problem praying for you guys, praying for the prayer requests, the email things, and, you know, whatever, praying for people. But when it came to, when it came, yeah, that's how I felt right there. So when, when, it, came to, when it came to praying for myself, when it came to just having one of those conversations with God where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to just, God, I'm going to just talk to you right now. I was flatlining that. I had nothing, nothing. I mean, this is just full confession right now for me, okay? Just flatlining. 
And, you know, for me, jumping into the Bible, I, I was doing that when I would have to prepare a sermon for a Sunday morning or preparing a curriculum for Graceland or, you know, whatever, um, for, for one of our community groups or whatever. But I'm telling you, when it came to actually like having the motivation to say, you know, I want to open this up just to see what God might be saying to me. I just want to open this up for the sake of my own relationship with God to learn more about who God is and what that means for me. I, I just, I had nothing. And I, I remember trying to do it. And you've ever tried to do this where you just start to pray and then your mind is just totally like drifted off and you just like, why can't I even pray? God, come on, help me. I mean, I was at a terrible place, terrible place. Just felt awful. Some of you guys can relate because you're there right now. Okay, right now that's where you are. And I just want to know, I feel you, okay? I feel you. So I was, I mean, I was, it was killing me. And I remember talking to a good friend of mine who I talk to every week. And uh, man, this is one of those guys I say everything to. Like, he knows, I have no secrets, none. And um, I remember even being nervous to tell him just because of my role. Like, my job is to like, you know, encourage you guys in your faith. And I was like, I'm like flatlining. So, um, I worked up the nerve after a few weeks and I, and I told him, and I said, dude, I just need, I need help. Like, I don't know what to do, but I just have zero motivation. Like the joy in my relationship with God and doing these things is gone. And um, he said to me, he said, Derek, I'm going to share a verse with you from the Bible. God wants you to hear this. You need to hear this verse. He said, it's Romans 8.1. He said, listen, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I was so racked with guilt. So self-condemning. And he just said, listen, when you're in Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. Nothing. Whether you got up this morning and prayed for three hours and read the entire Bible, God doesn't love you anymore because you've done that. He said, listen, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more or love you less. And I gotta tell you, this was so liberating for me. This was exactly what I needed to hear. It broke through all this guilt and self-condemnation that I felt in that moment. And for some of you, you need to hear this verse. For some of you, this is your first time in church in such a long time. And I just wanna let you know, we are thrilled that you're here. But you are sitting there right now and you feel totally guilty about this. Oh man, I don't know where I've been, what I've been doing. I, I know I should. I, I mean, this is what, I, what Christians, this is what we're supposed to do, but I'm not. I just want to tell you something. This is the truth. Therefore, there is now no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. There's some of you, and man, you, you started out, you know, and you were all fired up, and you got in this great habit of praying to God, and you can't remember the last time you prayed to God. You can't remember the last time you cracked your Bible. You don't even know if you still have a Bible in your possession. It's been that long since you even looked for it. And I'm just here to tell you, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ 
Jesus. Here's the reality. We are not slaves to God. We are sons and daughters. And our worth in the eyes of God is not based on our work. It is based on the fact that we are children of God. It's based on what God has done for us through Jesus and nothing that we can do. And in fact, we're free not to. We have the choice. God says, you know what? I love you this much. You're free not to. Just feel free. Feel free not to. Like if you just want to peel out of here right now, like you're at kind of the point in the service where you're oh, starting to get a little tired. You can get out 10 minutes early right now. Just peel on out. You know, not, God's not going to love you any more or any less because you hang around for the last 10 minutes. I had two people last service. They took me up on it. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> anyway, they were really free. So, um, so here, here's the thing. I want to come back to, the, to my, my garbage thing. So I want you to imagine with me for a minute that Becky said to me, she just saw that, you know, this was a constant source of angst with me. And uh, she said to me one day, you know what? Don't worry about the garbage. I got it. Now, I know what all the husbands are thinking in the room. You're thinking, ha, ha, ha. She's saying that. <laughs> but don't fall for that trap. That does not mean what you think it means, right? So let's pretend for a minute that she was completely genuine. Not like, oh yeah, forget it, you deadbeat, lousy, you know, like, I'll take care of it. But like, what if she was like, you know what, seriously, I want to do that. Like, I don't want this on your plate anymore. I would love to do it. And let's just pretend like she actually, like, with all her heart, she meant it. So no repercussions for me. I am off the hook completely to never take out the garbage ever again, ever, 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 okay? What would that do to me? What would that do to me? I I would never take out the garbage again. (laughs) Now we laugh, and, and that's the risk that she would take, right, by, by saying that, genuinely saying, you're free not to. She would take that risk, that I may walk away and never take the garbage out again. Fair? And I may just take her up on it, and that'd be sweet, okay? But what would a good husband do? What would a good man... <laughs> Very nice. And you're scoring points because you're sitting right next to your wife. So that's, that's excellent. Okay. So the good man, the good husband would say, okay, I'm totally free not to, but I know that this is something for my wife that even goes back to her dad and it's a positive association with a positive household. And I could see that it would make a difference for her. And so what she would be betting and, and babe, you got to try this. I know you're listening. Okay. Is the betting that I would actually, when I no longer have to, that I would what? That I would want to. That I would want to. Now, I hope you're making the connection because here's the connection. God is saying to all of us, listen, you don't have to take out the garbage. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to pray. There you go. You're out. That guy's out. Awesome. We'll see you, brother. (laughs) Have a good one. You're free to go. Love it, man. All right, see, you don't have to. He made my point perfectly. God, that was beautiful. Um, anyway, that was awesome. Didn't even plan that. Anyway, okay. Um, so, so what God is saying is, listen, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to do any of those things. You're free not to. There's only one thing, one thing that matters. And that is by just admitting that there's nothing you can do. Admitting it's already been done that I've already done it for you. It's through Jesus. So I'm saying, you know what? I'm not perfect. 
I, I can't, I can't, if you were here last week, I can't tightrope my way to heaven. I can't. I need you, Jesus. That's it. That's it. And in doing that, if you think about this, okay, now this is a very hard thing, okay? So this is an enormous spiritual task that you would have. If you're here today and you struggle with guilt, if you're here today and you're in a difficult season, try and wrap your mind around this because this is not easy. You have to really think on this and meditate on this and let this sink in. But the reality is, the second that we truly understand that we don't have to, that we are free not to, when it comes to our relationship with God, we're totally free not to do any of those things. The second that we do that, for many of us, that's the second that we begin to realize, you know what? When I have total freedom not to, this isn't quite so bad. I I might actually want to dive in and do a few of these things. Because I don't have to. The pressure's off. But that it might become a joy for us once again. Now, we've got five minutes, and I just want to give you kind of a closing, closing couple thoughts. Um, because you may be sitting here, and you may be like, okay, well, that's great. So we're totally free not to. So, Derek, help me to understand something. So why in the world, if we're free not to really follow any of these commands, any of these instructions, I mean, the Bible is filled with them, isn't it? All these things that God tells, hey man, don't do this and do this, and there's these wisdom proverbs, and there's these other things, and there's all this stuff, then Jesus comes along and gives us all these teachings. I mean, if we're free not to do any of it, then why in the world is this book full of them? You know, what's up with that? And maybe if that's what you're wondering this morning, um, I could illustrate it with, with a little story about one of my daughters. So I have three kids, two girls and one boy. And um, one of my daughters, when she was three years old, we were having a terrible time getting her to put her coat on when she'd go outside. So she was kind of in summer mode and fall was really mild in D.C. But now we're moving into winter, it's starting to get cold. And she would fight us every time we would go to put her coat on her because, you see, it, you know, this, this was her little coat that she liked to wear when she was three. It's, it's pretty nice, yeah. And, um, and so... Anyway, you know, when you're, when you're three years old and you're still sitting in your warm house and then you're having to put the coat on, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You, you know what I mean? It's still, you're still warm. So, so, you know, we'd go to put the coat on her and she's like, no, I don't want to put the coat on. And, you know, we'd, we'd wrestle with her. And we would literally, it was a fight like every single time we would go out through that winter season. And we were pulling our hair out as parents. I know no other parents struggle with parenting at all. And, you know, this is just me and, and my wife, Becky. But anyway, just bear with us, all you other perfect parents out there. But we had this problem. And so we were trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And um, we stumbled upon this principle in a book called Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. And it was written by a Christian author and speaker called Kevin Lehman, who is really, really good. And he talked about this idea of reality discipline. And the idea is, if your kids grew up always fearing you, like the consequence is always you're going to punish them, then as soon as they turn 18 and they're gone, and you're no, they don't have to fear you, they can, they're going to do whatever they want. They need to fear reality, right? Reality is actually the thing we want them to have a healthy respect for. Is that, is that right? Okay, so basically his premise is, you know what? Let them fail. Let them experience experience the consequences. Give them some chance to make a decision and let them feel the consequences of that. Now, some of you are like, man, that sounds kind of crazy. Okay, listen, that doesn't mean like you release your three-year-old to go run in the street and you're like, I told you you were going to get hit by that car. (laughs) You know, I mean, come on. That's not not a lesson, you know. So you got to think, okay, think. 
but, but here's the thing. Um, we thought, wow, this is perfect. Um, let's, let's do this with, with the coat situation. So I remember it was a Saturday morning. It was, a, it was about 35 degrees, windy, um, early winter day. It's a little bit of precipitation. Not enough to even like, you know, it was just kind of spitting, if you know what I mean. And, um, and so I'm like, okay, we got to take a couple things over to a neighbor's house, a couple doors down. And so I said, come on, uh, let's go, babe. Let's put your coat on. And of course it was, no, I don't want to put my coat on. And I looked at her and I've already cleared this with the wife. That's very important, okay? Very important. <laughs> Clear with the wife, on the same page. It's free advice, Okay. So we're, I'm like, okay, you don't have to. I mean, if you don't want to put your coat on, that's fine. I said to her, but listen, it's cold outside. It's a little bit drizzly. The wind is blowing. And it's like, you know, she didn't know what the degrees meant. So I just, it's cold, okay? And so she said, okay. I'm like, you want to put the coat on? No. I said, okay. And if we go, we're going to go. We're, we don't have time to turn around and change our mind. We're going to go and we're going to come back and you're going to be cold. She said, okay, daddy. I said, you want to put the coat on? She says, no. I said, fine. Okay. All right. So we walk out the house. I did two things as I walked out the house. I grabbed a little hand. So we're walking hand in hand. I did the slowest walk to my neighbor's house that I have ever done. This is the truth, okay? This is the truth, okay? I mean, we, we just walk. Three-year-olds don't walk fast anyway. So really, you know, I mean, it's just kind of going at her pace. She walks out with the biggest grin on her face. Like, she's just... She just thinks she has won the lottery. You know what I mean? She freedom, emancipation. Don't have to wear the coat. So she's walking, big smile. I'm walking super slow. And the other thing I'm doing is I'm praying. Legitimately, I was praying this. I was like, God, just make it rain hard. God. I'm like, bring that wind up. I was. I, I, have, I lift my hand to God. I, I, so, so we're walking. We do the slowest walk ever. Big, the smile never leaves her face on the way there. We get to my neighbor's house. Now I got my coat on. I'm not an idiot. Now I look like CPS was about to come get me because it's like, what the heck are you wearing this like tiny little dress, you know? And, not, and anyway, my neighbor answers the door. I'm giving him his stuff and he's like, and I'm like, dude, I'll tell you later. It's cool. Reality discipline, you know? And we turn back and we start walking home, you know? There was no smile on the way home. There was, there was a sense of, okay, this isn't, this isn't good, you know? And we just walked home, and we got in the house, and you know what? We walked, the, you get hit by that warm air in the wintertime, you know? You get in the house, you close the door, and she says to me, she says, Dad, oh, it's so cold out there. I'm so cold. Now, here's the important part of this, okay? It's just a little parenting thing. At that point, you don't get in their face and go, see, I told you so. You idiot, okay? At that point, you are the loving parent, who was just trying to give them the reality of the situation. So you know what you do? That's why I did. I picked her up, and I wrapped my arms around her. I said, let me warm you up, baby. And I had my jacket on. I put her, like, inside my jacket, you know? And we just hugged. And she was like, Daddy, it feels so good. I'm so warm. And I said, baby, I know. I tried to tell you, not in, like, a jerk way. You know, I was just like, baby, I tried to tell you that it was cold because I love you. That's why I told The reason Mom and Dad put your jacket on you is because we love you. We, we don't do it to like make your life hard. We love you. That's, that's why we have this, this jacket. Now, the reason that I, I, I told you this story is because many of you have always kind of felt like when it comes to God and Christianity and religion and faith, that all these things that, that God has for us in here, you feel like these are all things that we have to do. And somehow it's for God's sake. 
But let me tell you, it's not for God's sake. God's like, listen, you don't want to do this? It's fine. I mean, I'm God. I don't actually need anything. <laughs> I'm cool. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to like hurt my ego. Oh, I didn't pray today. Oh, I'm so devastated. You know, I mean, just think it's ridiculous, right? It's crazy. God's like, you want to throw it out? I'm not going to throw my Bible across the room, but you know, you know, you want to throw it? Go. You're free not to. You're free not to, but check this out. This is what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 48, 17. This was God, you know, we believe God was speaking through this prophet. He said, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. You see, the reason that God gives us these instructions, these commands, the reason that God encourages us to do certain things isn't because we have to. We're not slaves, we're sons. And it's not for his sake, it's for our sake. It's for our sake. God's like, put on the coat. If you don't want to, it's cool. But put on the coat. Psalm 103, 2. This is the last verse I'll share with you and we're going to close. Um, it says, praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. I love that. Forget not all his benefits. You see, we get so caught up in the idea that we have to do all this kind of stuff. We have to go to church and we have to pray as good Christians and we have to read our Bible and we have to give and we have to serve and we have to be in community groups and, and all these different things because that's what good Christians have to do. And the reality is, we're not slaves, we're sons and we're daughters. And the reason that we come to church, the reason we come to church isn't because we have to. The reason that we come to church is we carve out some sacred space on a Sunday morning to be able to pause for a minute and and remove ourselves from all the things that happen throughout our day and our week that in the grand scheme of life really aren't that significant, okay? Now listen, it's kickoff to football season. And I'm, I mean, that's awesome, okay? What, you know, I'm actually going to the Bengals-Ravens game in Baltimore today. I am going today to see that game, okay? So no disrespect to anyone. I mean, I love football, okay? But this time is a time to actually focus our minds on, on the things that really matter, in life. It's a blessing. It's a benefit. It's for us. It's not actually for God. And it's the same with prayer and Bible study and, and on and on. I could go on and on, but I'm, but I'm not going to. The bottom line is, if you're in a season where just, just even your relationship with God, your faith, your spiritual journey is a drag, it's an obligation, and you just flat out stop doing it, Try and wrap your mind around the fact that you are free not to do it. You're free not to. That can be so liberating. But don't ever forget that God tells us, look, this is for you. God doesn't want something from you. God wants something for you. He wants to bless you. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for this incredible letter that we get to read. It was written 2,000 years ago and somehow preserved for us that reminds these Galatians and it reminds us that when we've lost our joy, that we are free not to do the things that we feel like we have to do. That there's only one thing, one thing, Lord, and that is simply for us just to admit that we can't get there on our own. That the way that we're made right with you 
is through what you've already done and not what we are going to do. We thank you that if we feel like we're enslaved today to what we have to do, that we're free from that, that we are your sons and your daughters and our worth is made up by whose we are, not what we do. So Lord, help us, those of us who need a jumpstart, God, help us to go from have to to want to. Help us to remember that we're not slaves to this stuff. We're sons and we're daughters. But ultimately, Lord, these are blessings. These are benefits. They're things that you do for us, for our good, because you love us. Help us to lean back into that love and be free to choose you or to choose not to. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.